one of the all-time favorite shows. Hello, and you are listening to Because You're Home. This is episode 25. Um, today we are talking about horror movies that are based on or inspired by true stories. And that's something that's actually, it's almost, I realized when I, when I was thinking about it for this episode, horror movies that are based on a true story. They really like, they mean a lot more to me yeah they resonate a lot more I I I think it's like just the dark part of my brain that's always been like fascinated with serial killers and like our love of true crime yes um it's it's not for everybody the love of true crime and I understand that but it's definitely like our cup of tea but I've always been fascinated with serial killers it's oh god this is gonna sound so weird I'm like I am a well-rounded person but I I kind of feel like the people who are listening to our podcast though are also quite interested in that topic so don't worry (laughs) we all know what we're here for somebody's just like I did not know that a podcast to do with horror movies had any support or like okay yeah that it has any ties or affiliation with true crime hey exactly lied to me um but yeah after like say when you watch a film and they're like the, you know the way sometimes you might get a blurb at the end mm-hmm. like and that like just now in the world that we live in where anything can be googled like because I used to just to be like oh that's fascinating and if I read something and say years later that was tied in with that I was like I remember that from the movie that I watched but like nowadays I can just go straight on to can use like Trustdale Google and I can dive into that rabbit hole and I'll be in it for a few hours and I'll come out and my name will be Alice um <laughs> rabbit it's, hole. it's so easy yeah so many articles so many people's opinions and it's like you might read one thing and then another article will have completely changed that and so you're changing your own opinion of it like uh whilst the cups of tea just like rack up um so I I feel like as if when I watch and it's based on a true story it's or at least like inspired it mm. makes me feel like oh this really could happen yeah like, say if you watch certain slasher films that are like I don't know say like Friday the 13th and you're like well I you know I went to Green Hill summer camp and <laughs> there was no murders happening there like it's it's and we're nowhere near a lake um so yeah. I'm like I'm fine I'm sa- that's one where I can be like oh, I can watch this safely knowing that no one in a mask and a machete is going to have their way with everyone in the camp yes but when you watch the ones that are like it's quite you know there's a realism to it and then you know especially if you watch one that would say based on the killings of a serial killer yeah you're just like oh this actually happened and it just makes it more unsettling um like whereas I could watch the other ones with a certain amount of detachment this one it just kind of sticks with you for a bit longer and kind of one of the first films that really kind of brought that realism to me was The Silence of the Lambs Um, and it was more like when I discovered that the modus operandi of Buffalo Bill was based off of Ted Bundy um like the way that he, the ruse he'd get to get the women more so than obviously they both had their different ways that they wanted the women for Buffalo Bill wanted to wear them Ted Bundy wanted to wash their hair and do things with them after they had died um so but it, it also kind of made me think of in the back of my mind going well I am never going to help someone move furniture I don't care who you are yeah 
unless it's my own furniture being moved. And even then I'm a little bit like, no, you could be Ted Bundy. I don't care if you're my husband. I'm not helping you move that sofa. <laughs> oh, wait, Chris. <laughs> yeah, all Ted Bundy had to do was part his hair in a different way. And he was a different man to people. So really, yeah. Chris could Clark just be Ted Bundy. The Clark Kent effect. Absolutely. And also as well, it was like the great writing and the characters in Silence of the Lambs, like with Catherine and Clarice, like uh, also like the male characters, but as well, they were just so you got their fears and like Clarice's frustrations of being in a male dominated world uh, in the police um, force. But I just felt like with those kind of characters and the way that the writing was fantastic, uh, it just kind of made me feel like oh that you know it just that's one where I will always come back and I'll watch it because it's almost like a reminder going well this shit could happen yeah someone could really just want to wear my skin um saying that out loud it doesn't sound like it really could happen but you know and then then there you've got the resonation of Ed Gein in that uh, with the wearing of the skin like that man now he never killed anybody to wear their skin he did kill some people but there was no way to find out that he did it to say wear their skin per se well now I think he might have because I think some of them were it looked like as if they might have been about to be skinned but he definitely took it more from corpses yeah um so but yeah that was just kind of like my way of it always stuck in my head you've got Ted Bundy and Ed Gein took inspiration from them and put it together with that film and it's just oh gives me shivers but like the yeah kind of shivers like I, I do love watching that film um so we kind of took this idea of true um the true story element to our films I think you're looking at the strangers if I have that correct and I am looking at the conjuring too and more so with mine yeah I I wanted to look into one where it's kind of like debunking in the sense because I love a good debunk I am a skeptic uh, and um, I love nothing more than tearing someone apart. Uh, <laughs> it's your greatest trait. <laughs> rubbing my hands. Uh, no, so I was kind of looking into ones where, say, like going back to 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where they say that this is based on true events. And yes. it's not. But you, like, especially at the time, you're like, holy crap, did this really happen? Yeah. And then you're like, no, it's not. It's it's nothing. The closest they have, again, is going back to El Eddie. Game. Uh, yeah. yeah, that man, he inspired a lot of psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Sansa Lambs, just to name a few. Yeah. Um, I was kind of like, oh, I, I actually wanted to look down the uh, pathway of films that say that they're based on a true story, but aren't. And I couldn't really find any. So the closest I got was with the Enfield poltergeist, how it in itself had almost pretty much been debunked as being a hoax now there are it's very divisive you still have some people who are like especially the family who are still they're saying they're dying on a cross for this oh yeah like the mother still lived in the house even though they're like oh you live in a council house you're only just making this up so you can get a better house now either they weren't offered a better house or she or you know they were offered one she's like no I want to say this is my family's home but the mother of Janet um had stayed there until she died in the early 2000s like she was like no I'm still gonna live here but the place is haunted like they but then Janet did admit that they like because they were caught red-handed saying with one of the paranormal investigators oh let's move his uh recorder and say that the ghost did but he'd left the recording on and he goes I have proof that you guys were going to make this up and they were like oh well we wanted to make some of it up because we didn't want to disappoint you that like oh nothing happened today but then you could just be like well if you made that up 
what yeah, else? Yeah, what's to say the rats where it isn't? Yeah, so that's kind of the vein I was going to go into. So, um, but like, I just feel like as if, especially with how the film came out, that there was definitely some artistic liberties taken mm-hmm. in, which is, I suppose, Hollywood 101. But I have more to talk about how, like, the Warrens' impact in that film versus real life. Uh, yes, so yeah. you were saying this before. Mm. Yeah, yeah, hilarious. Um, and I saw like a teaser trailer for the third Conjuring film, which is The Devil Made Me Do It, not not Evil Man. I was because I was like, ah, something made me do it. Um, and it's just like I'm kind of just going. I don't even know if I'll watch. I'm just so disappointed in how the Conjuring universe went. Um, it's because you love it so much, the first one, and it mm. just didn't hold up. And I've watched the first one again not that long ago, maybe two three months ago or something like that and I was still like yeah to me I still love that film yeah. uh the rest I'm just like mm. I think I've more, only seen yeah. the first one I don't know that I've seen yeah. the second they just they were very heavily dependent on the second one in with jump scares very heav- heavily and I'm definitely on. gonna watch it sounds like my movie <laughs> yeah, yeah but also I also think that they also have a license on you know like if you want to make someone look demonic and you put like eye contact lenses on them and they're like bright yellow where the color is yeah I think it's every time you know it's a demon it's either maybe pinky purple or then yellow and like oh well that's a demon then yeah um yeah so it, it, they have their look now you'll see it in like in their Annabelle films and when someone's possessed I'm like or someone is their character is a ghost or a demon I'm like yeah yeah that's their look yeah you can kind of just see it straight off yeah so um yeah I'm going to be talking about the film and then talking about kind of what because they were taking a lot that was recorded and then it's you're also wondering like in real life was kind of a lot of people in on the hoax or did they want to believe so badly they were willing to overlook the potential of the girls making it up yes okay yeah I get you so do you want to open us up with the strangers kind of what this whole podcast is based off of I was about to say our namesake um yeah, can't so, believe it took till episode 25 before we even discussed this film in detail like in detail yeah yeah so <clears throat> the strangers you have um it was released in 2008 um basically the whole premise of the um the film is because they were home and yeah. um this another terrifying aspect yeah yeah absolutely there was a serial killer there was a serial killer Richard Chase and now the guy was actually demented he was the vampire of Sacramento mm. uh, but his whole thing was if your door this was in the I want to say the 70s um, or possibly the early 80s but if his thing was if your door was open that meant that it was okay for him to come in and kill you but if your door was locked then it was not the right house for him to go into oh. which to me terrified the crap in me like that that was his way that was his logic <laughs> I was actually I was listening to um True Crime Obsessed yesterday and um, Gillian Benzmati was saying she was like not to be victim blaming blaming here but like just start locking your doors people <laughs> just just lock your doors the latchkey kids thing <laughs> is a thing of the past so she was like it always they could always start it's like John it was such a lovely town and nobody locked their doors until yeah it yeah until we got our door in my house locked as soon as he closed it and then yeah it was just way handier 
so much yeah. easier. Um, yeah, so The Stranger starts off, they say that what you're about to see is based on true events and the brutal events that took place there are still not entirely known. Um, it's very SVU. I was kind mm. of expecting. Dun, 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 dun. Even, <laughs> even the way it's done, it's like it's it's text. It's on like this really dark background and everything. So every it, scene changes with a da, 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 da. Yeah, it was very much that. Um, uh, yeah, so it starts off um, this couple are um, driving back to their house. You can tell that they're in very nice fancy wear. They've been at a wedding um, not in the best form. Um, oh, you no. Know, he has just proposed. She's not ready. Hasn't come. The bad what's someone else's wedding also just bad form. Mm, it's it, it's such a tricky one because I'm real like if somebody had proposed at my wedding, I would have been like, this is amazing uh, I did not but I know them. not everybody's like that I don't think I many don't people are there yeah fuck yeah. <laughs> off um it, yeah, it would depend who it was I suppose oh uh, yeah I suppose I suppose but even still there are I'd, some be people taking... I'd be like no <laughs> my day not um, today mister not today Satan um so they go into the house um and it's this beautiful like home that he either is it his holiday home it's, or yeah it's his family's home. holiday home up in the mountains or something yeah like, it's kind of remote yeah. um yeah. and they walk in it's it's really awkward there's beautiful roses everywhere like petals he was quietly confident he was like he was very confident mm-hmm. in the fact that he didn't know that she was going to say no I know that we're both married and obviously when we were proposed to it was a surprise but there was mm. no time that we didn't know that yes this is a possibility that is coming and that our partners were safe in the knowledge probably 99 percent sure that we would go of course (laughs) do you know what I mean the one percent doubt for just doubt over anything really yeah like we were together just shy of 10 years by the time he proposed so I'm like yeah I ain't going anywhere I mean romance 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 yes but (laughs) so um yeah they um they were in the house the one thing about this movie actually the music in this movie is brilliant and it's mm. done really well as well yes um and the use of the music is great and they're in the house they're um not really talking um because it's awkward as fuck um Liv Tyler plays the the main kind of female in the movie by the killers <laughs> 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 she goes to have a bath she comes out they're sitting there and it's like four in the morning 4 30 and um the door knocks and there is a moment before this where um they do get intimate so you know that like there's still a couple it's, it's not the end of the relationship time. yeah yeah and um, they do very much love each other it's not like they fucking hate each other now and um, the door knocks they both kind of quite shocked um it's this really, really heavy door as well, which I think freaks mm. me out a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go to the door. There's this like very kind of soft-spoken girl. And she's like, hi, is Tamara in there? And they're like, no, sorry, I've thrown my like, Are you sure? It's like, yes, we're pretty fucking sure. Go mm. away. 
so she leaves and um, you have answered the door if someone knocked on your on a like not your home but if the place you're saying if someone knocked on your door at 4 30 would you have answered prior to this I don't know mm-hmm. after this fuck no yeah I think I probably like that prior to watching that there's like this terrible curious part of me where I'd be like I want to know and I know Chris would be like the one holding my shoulder like God, fuck no oh I'd be straight upstairs looking out the window oh that, be see, that's a better idea yeah. yeah oh no I'd be a curtain twitcher about it and I'd be like who is it hmm. beautiful figure out who it is and if because I there's them, no good knock at 4 30 in the morning if no. it's a family member they would have tried calling you or something like that before that's the thing but the problem is right then I would go full scream on this thing right where I'd wait and there'd be nobody there and I'd do the whole thing of coming out the door which happens quite a bit in scream you look left mm-hmm. you look right you come back in he jumps out of the closet and he's like a bugger 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 stop stop <laughs> jab jab so that's probably where I'd go wrong is I'd wait until there was nobody there then I'd go out and investigate and then ghost face would get into my head whereas um, i would arm myself to begin with not trusting who was out there and probably accidentally stabbed just a neighbor who was in trouble yeah yeah you see this is this is the problem it's like it's i always have that thing where it's like where do you kind of go that self-preservation versus this actually genuinely could be somebody who is really in yeah. trouble which is a really difficult kind of decision people have to make and very lucky I've never really had to make it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah god I've never <laughs> I never do but basically um Liv Tyler realizes she's run out of cigarettes um the boyfriend is like look I'll go and get them um when he goes is that after they knock on the door yes yeah oh. so she goes he goes to get the cigarettes um and you're one she lived Tyler sitting down she's changed out of her beautiful dress now um she puts on a song of course it's creepy as fuck um and the door knocks again and it's this real like it's really and you're like oh, Jesus no don't yeah, you it. feel that in you yeah you're just kind of like and Liv Tyler is brilliant and it's like you can actually see her kind of jump every time there's a bang and I watched something and it was like the director had actually told her that right that bang is going to come from the right hand of you and then it would be thrown from behind her so her okay, reaction yeah, was actually yeah, genuine she very was good for it to come from her front and then it was like this big bang from somewhere else and she's like, what the mm-hmm. fuck is going on um so she rings the boyfriend um her phone is like dying uh, she rings the boyfriend she's like your one is back and he's like no she's not and she's like, she fucking is. Like, I don't know why he doesn't believe her. And um, then somebody comes into the house. They take her phone. They put the, they make the smoke alarm go off by, I don't know, like something to do with the chimney. We don't have chimneys like that here, so I don't get it. But the, the alarm goes off. She takes the, um, the fire alarm off the um, ceiling. It falls on the floor. She realizes somebody has been in the house because her phone is gone. And also now the, the top of the fire alarm is on a chair. So she's like, they've been in the house. Things have been moved. Yeah. Yeah. So she's waiting for the boyfriend to come back. They're like banging on doors and stuff. Now you kind of realize that it is definitely two people there's a there's a female you kind of know it's a guy and um, from the way he's dressed and he has a sack over his um face 
um, and she opens, she's trying to look out the window to see is anybody there. She has a knife in her hand and she opens it up and the guy is there and she starts to scream. Um, she has an excellent scream. Um, okay. The boyfriend comes back and um, he doesn't really believe her that they've been in the house. And he's like, look, we can get out of here. Um, they have a gun. Um, we can go. It's fine. They, you realize he said he can shoot. He actually has. Blah, blah, blah. That doesn't really matter to the story. Um, so they decide that they're going to try and get out. The car is outside. They go out. The car is absolutely smashed to smithereens. Um, they drive down. How they didn't hear that, I don't know. Like crazy. When he gets his phone, he realizes his phone is in the car. He goes out to get his phone and one of them like tips him on the neck. And I'm like, oh, I can feel it. Yeah, that was just, oh. It was just a creepy scene. It's done very well. It really is. Um, So they try and get away. I won't get, because we're going into the actual story and what it's based on. They try to get away. They don't get away. They decide to barricade themselves into a room and they sit there with the shotgun. And when somebody goes by, they're going to shoot them. Somebody walks by, they shoot them. He's like, oh my God, he wasn't wearing a mask. It turns out it's one of his best friends who's come to collect him since, you know, they probably need some time to apart. Then kind of like all hell breaks loose. They try and get Mm -hmm. loose. They get caught. They're running outside. They're not outside. There's now three of them. There's two girls and a guy. And then it goes to um, they're caught and then they wake up and they're on their chairs Mm. and um, she's back in her dress and she asks the question, why are you doing this? And the answer is because you were home Mm -hmm. and um, they are stabbed. Yeah, yeah that stabbing quite, scene. Yeah, it's, it's really realistic. It's like, intense. It's, like, yeah, it's slow. It's very slow. You can, they just start. Yeah, it's it's exactly that. It's quite slow. They um, they, it's a, it's a real kind of you can almost feel it going yeah. in because it takes yeah. a while. And oh, yeah, they're very good. Like acting they had said that there was actually supposed to be a lot more dialogue between the killers and the couple but they said they'd take that out because the air of mystery was way better which actually it is it is yeah um and I watched the extended ending to it so she like in the original one that you would have seen at the cinema she does you know she does the whole jump scare at the end where she's like wow I'm alive um but in this one she actually gets away and she's crawling down and she's checking if the friend you know she's checking on the friend oh yeah she knew that she he was dead I don't really know what's happening there There was a gun actually beside him that's what it was so she goes down she's trying to get the gun and the guy comes back in and he picks up the gun and she's putting her hands over her face and you can just tell that she's like oh my god like I'm ready and he just walks out oh just leaves now the thing is i actually think the one where you don't see that is possibly more makes more sense because at one stage they all take their masks off yeah and at Which that is stage, always you bad. can see her yeah. face just drop because mm-hmm. she knows we've seen them that's us they were never right. expecting us to live no and the hard thing is as well they open the curtains and it's daytime now usually 
that's okay. You're done. Like the the cops are coming in now because it's daytime. It's just horror movie 101. And they yeah. broke that rule because they killed them when it was bright. In, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, fuck. <laughs> I was expecting everything to be okay. It's daytime. Um, you are vampire killers. You can't be yeah. in the daytime. <laughs> Dicks. Um, and it ends as it starts. It's the the opening of this movie actually is two wee boys coming on to the scene yes. um, who are giving out pamphlets, and it ends where the the killers are driving away, and these two wee boys are coming up, and they they give them a pamphlet, and it's like, "Are you a sinner?" And she's like, "Sometimes I am," and then they come, and like everything's broken everywhere, and um, it's just a shit show. Mm-hmm. so there was a lot I remember when I saw it first when it was like based on true story it's like oh my god when did this happen and how did it happen so it's actually yeah. based on a couple of things it's not based on one specific mm-hmm. it didn't pan out the way it panned out in the movie mm-hmm. um, so one of the things the knock on the door was actually an experience Brian Bertino the director Okay. So that did happen. He was at home knocking the door. Somebody came and was like, is such and such here? They said, no, sorry, they left. And it turned out loads of houses in his estate were broken into that night. Oh. So it was checking whether or not somebody was home. So mm-hmm. he kind of used that in the movie and the whole, the, the whole knocking on the door and seeing where they home. Um, and then it was, two different events that happened and two equally horrific events and technically one of them is two and one so three horrific events so you have the Keddie murders cabin so mm-hmm. sorry the Keddie cabin murd- murders um, that happened in the 80s and then you also have the Manson family yes um, La Bianca and um, Sharon Tate murders in the 60s. So the when I was looking at the, the Keddy Cabin murders, it was this um, this single mom um, lived in Cabin 28 um, in Keddy and she and her son John and his friend Dana were tied up, stabbed and hammered to death. Um, it oh. was, yeah, it was it was kind of thought that they got the two young boys hitchhiked home and that this might have been who killed them. Now they've it's not solved. It's it hasn't been solved. Oh wow. Um from from the release of um the strangers, it like it kind of revived the case a bit and like with internet sleuths and stuff like that. Um but one of the girls, Tina, she was, um, I think she was 12 at the time. She was taken from the house and she was found three years later. So she was dead. It was her her, her skull that was found. Now, I actually, it's, it's amazing. I watched a little bit, a couple of things on it. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until I looked at Wikipedia where it mentioned that there were actually two other children and a friend in the house as well that were left unharmed but I didn't hear that in in anything else so I'm kind of taking it with a pinch of salt but also it's hard to tell with Wikipedia because anyone can edit that or put in anything yeah now she did she was a mother of five so it would actually make sense do you know what I mean um 
But their, her daughter, Sheila, came home the next morning and found, she said she opened the door and the first thing she saw was a body with their hands bound together. And oh. it was just like everything everywhere. And she was talking about how her little sister, Tina, had wanted to stay with them that night as well. And they were like, no, it's just the big girls tonight. So she went home. Yeah, just a really, really horrific killing um there is a documentary on it on youtube the only thing i didn't really like about the documentary was they talk a lot about the background of the mother and like that they were um on social welfare and like you know she was a single mother and it's like one woman the actually the the woman who's um who Sheila was staying with that mm-hmm. night with her daughter was like, yeah, I wouldn't let my kids go to her house. Cause she was like, I was really judgmental. I just didn't think it was good enough. Um, I let her kids come up to my house to have a break. And I was just like, I don't like this. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the way it was emphasized on that um, because there's really no definitive evidence to point towards anything of that being anything to do with why these people yeah. were murdered so yeah it's um it's just really sad and the two people who are have taken over the um taken over the investigation uh, the sheriff of the time of the town and um one of the kind of policemen uh mike gamberg they were actually f- friends of the boys who were murdered so they're oh. like really like one of them was in the house the day before and one the other one was supposed to stay that night mm-hmm. and stuff so it is really really personal but definitely it, like if you're into true crime again I imagine you are if you're you're listening to that this definitely have a look it's one of the ones that I didn't know much about I actually only knew from this movie there was also some inspiration taken from the LaBianca and uh, Sharon Tate murders yeah. uh, with the Manson family. I imagine a lot of people know about this. I think mainly because I am oddly, I don't want to say obsessed because it's not in a... Have a like, keen interest. That's yeah. what I say. It's not like I like him. You don't him. condone it. You don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That. Yeah. Do yeah. not condone him at all. I just find it bizarre. Um, so you have um, Charles, Charles Manson. And um, again, I was watching a documentary on him and it was talking about, and one thing that was mentioned about the, um, the director of this movie he had said he wasn't going to make this psychological movie where it was going to go into like an FBI investigation on how this child grew up being hit and tortured and that made it like in some way excused not excused but made you go oh this is why he did it he's like I'm not making that movie this Mm -hmm. this isn't what it is and when I was watching the documentary on Charles Manson, because I've watched so much about the family and everything, I was like, oh, I just want to see something a little bit about him. Of course, it started off that like he had this terrible childhood and he had and like so he many did. people have had yeah. like he did. But also there are so many people who had terrible yeah. that didn't do this. But um, it's like it, this in itself is so crazy that you're kind of like it has to be a movie 
Like it's mm-hmm. so strange. So you had um in the August 9th in 1969, you had the the murder of Sharon Tate, um Jay Seberg, Abigail Fulger, uh Wojciech, not gonna try that name and uh, Stephen Parent. So basically uh, members of the Manson family were told to go and do whatever they were told. And they went and they um, they carried out these murders and they were like, the people in the house, they were like stabbed 102 times. Mm. Like the documentary that I watched, it was actually the girls who did it that were talking about it. Yeah. The ladies and it's it's so bizarre I just presumed when I was looking at it and it was getting started and they were talking about I just presumed they were some sort of expert who was on because they are so normal now yeah a lot and of them just... have turned their way against it they're like uh, now that I'm not in the cult and I'm away yeah. from Charles um that like his influence isn't over them and they're kind of like going oh what have I done but then you have some people who are like who are like yeah yeah this is... yeah Mm-hmm. to their like to the and they still it's like Charlie is still with them like yeah. they're still they believe that it had to be done and you know they were they were just victims to their bigger greater cause yeah absolutely and it's terrifying and it really is um it, it's just so bizarre the whole idea of it basically it goes back to Charles Manson's felt felt that there was this um race war that was going to be like going to be ignited and it's gonna happen yeah it was gonna happen he 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 basically he thought that he had killed a drug dealer that was part of the black panther movement as well mm-hmm. and so if all these things happened um and it was blamed on the black panther movement that mm-hmm. this race war would it was then be yeah yeah then would happen he felt and it was that also the, to get one of his friends out of prison the friend that actually had killed the drug dealer who was a part of the Black Panthers said that's what they tried to do if it looked like someone else did it then um, then it couldn't have been yeah yeah of course it didn't work that guy still remained in prison then for the murder that he did it's so crazy like it's it's, all this was ended up being for nothing oh it just bananas and he genuinely believes in it and the whole thing was that he actually wasn't there at them so he was always like you can't you can't do me for this but thankfully he was done um, thank God but he had such power over these women mm-hmm. and these girls that um, even watching them arrive at court is terrifying yeah. they're just like dolls they're dressed in these beautiful dresses their hair is perfect they're holding hands they're skipping and they're singing a song that Charlie wrote mm. and he then carved an x into his head the week later she they, the girls had the x into their heads and um, they were found they, after the Sharon Tate um killing um sorry not the Sharon Tate it, it's always kind of called the Sharon Tate killing even though there there were quite it's, a number yeah, of people killed Tate and LaBianca as well oh you mean just from her house just yeah from her yeah. house so there were one two three so there were five people killed that night like yeah um and then the next night they went to the labianca house mm-hmm. and they killed the couple the labiancas mm-hmm. and um the police actually thought that that was a copycat so they were ru- ran as separate uh, investigations yeah. for quite a while because they thought it was the copycat 
the Manson family were brought in, family members were actually brought in for questioning over something completely different during that time and they were let go and then they were brought in again over and again it was like a traffic violation which is often something that cracks like so many cases mm-hmm. and um they were one of the girls they were kind of held on that and it was one of the um Susan Atkins told her cellmate that she had done the Sharon Tate and the LaBianca murders and she went on and her cellmate told the police and this is actually how they found out like it was yep. just that she was kind of bragging about what happened and this is how they were caught on it and I didn't know that the defense lawyer for in the case was actually found in the woods murdered oh I didn't know that either uh, they he didn't arrive for to court and then they found him murdered and they feel that he was killed because he wouldn't defend one of the um girls for uh, the way that Charlie Manson wanted it to be defended oh my god yeah yeah and even watching him in the one that I was looking at now it's like he's much older in it like it's not at the same time um as all of this happened he's still as crazy yeah as there's real twitchy oh there's no part of him that has kind of gone okay maybe maybe I need to calm down here like there was no way that you were looking at him going oh maybe he's like an expert where with the women I was like oh that's somebody's ma do you know whereas you know you're looking at him going oh no he's fucking bananas yeah like he's crazy yeah so they were the two murders definitely if you're into if you're into um true crime look them up I know that the Manson um family is probably a lot more familiar to people yeah definitely I hadn't heard of the previous ones but it it makes more sense in in the home invasions I know they're two yeah no yeah 100% and then the way that they were like tied up at the end and it seems like that that was very much taken from the Keddie Cabin murders yeah when you were talking about if that serial killer was able to get into your house Mm-hmm. at the time oh, yeah yeah um they were saying that you couldn't get a locksmith for two weeks because people were so worried and they were getting stuff yeah. and they thought initially that this was like um, connected to drugs and that something had gone on there so they said that the, <laughs> the drainage system was like perpetually stoned for quite a while because people were flushing so many drugs oh. because they thought it was something to do with that. And I was like, that's quite funny. The poor fishies. The poor fishies. I have to say, I when I watched The Conjuring 2 and I watched it in the cinema, I remember just more leaving the cinema deflated going, well, that's just not as good as The Conjuring 1. Um, and also the writing was on the wall after I left the Annabelle film going, what the fuck was that? But I was still like, no, I, I felt like because the Warrens were actual paranormal investigators. Yes. And that they had been to haunted houses. They had seen people who had uh, they thought that there was demons or poltergeist activity in their houses. And but the, and the fact that this was all based off their own recordings, their own notes. Yeah. And um, that I thought, OK, well, there is a level of there's they're not making this credibility. Up. Yes, that's it. Um, and then when I. I'm just yeah I'm gonna go out and say from the start so the Warrens are like in the Conjuring 2 film they don't enter the house in London for a whole hour into the film (laughs) it does these hard cuts from 
their life in the US and the family being haunted in the UK and they're just cutting scene, scene until eventually the priest's like, we have this case in London. Um, <laughs> and they're like, son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. There's been a ghost in London. Um, yes, that's right. I'm here to offend more people again. Um, <laughs> you sound like you're from London, mate. Yeah, my ass. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, but like it's and and this when you realize like all the shite they added in um, to the conjuring too. Like when you have Valak the demon in the nun, who I think that nun just looks a lot like a young Marilyn Manson. Um, when he was in his uh, cross-dressing phase in the 90s. Um, I just thought that God love that woman. Like without makeup, you're like, oh no, okay, she doesn't really. But when she's dressed as the nun, you're like, oh, it's Marilyn Manson. And it's um, definitely something you don't want to be in any way associated with at the moment because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I have uh, less said about that, the better. Yeah. We're already talking about one demon. I don't need to talk about another. But so, yeah, it's it, they added so much unnecessary bloating to the film and um, I love I, that but I feel like as if they did no that. like I love that phrase unnecessary yeah. bloating bloating yes. yeah ladies men we've all had a dinner we all when know like, exactly no what wa- you're talking about no one wants it in their body no one wants it in the film Amazing. That's yeah um so yeah I just uh, yeah when you look into it and you're like none of this happened what the fuck are they talking about um so it's okay gonna go in so the whole thing is it starts out with um the warrens are in the lutz family house in amityville and you're like oh are they gonna do a whole amityville kind of thing at the side so it's like that they were um doing a seance Mm -hmm. in the house after um and i don't i can't quite remember if they were doing it with the lutz family or if um this is after the fact but then lorraine can see how all the um um, the DeFeo murders happened and she's like there with her she's walking past a mirror and it's it's not her it's the son who's doing the killings and then she's like cocking the shotgun and shooting everyone it's like I know what happened um and then this boy leads her down to a basement because in the conjuring they love a good L basement oh, and nice. so, yeah so they take her down to the basement where we see the nun and you're like, because I remember when I first watched it, I'm like, ooh, creepy. But what the hell has this got to do with the DeFeo murders? Um, but the nun is like screaming at her. Oh, and she's like, what do you want? And she just points at the husband. Um, and you're like, oh, bit of a love triangle I see here now. Uh, <laughs> two women fighting over the one man. Uh, let's not forget in real life uh, that Ed Warren had a long-standing affair against. <laughs> was to say, um, wasn't he a bit of a dirty dog? He was, which uh, because he died first when they did the first conjuring, Lorraine was still alive and she's like, you will make him be a saint. He was a good man. And you're like, okay, all right. Um, but anyway, yeah, so then it goes to a hard cut that we are in London. You're talking Buckingham Palace, uh, red trucks. There's playing the Clash's London calling like, you're in London. <laughs> and you're like, I get it. I freaking get it. You've Thatcher, you've everything. Jesus. Okay, we're somewhere else now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't put up subtitles so that the American, not, no, sorry, that's very offensive. I take it back. They're not that bad with knowing what the English accents are like. But anyway, you're just like, you're thinking, are they going to go one step forward and go, you're in a different country, so I shall put up subtitles for their talking. Um, but anyway, so we meet the family 
uh, the Hodgson family and they live in this council house which is just a nice house in a quiet estate in England and um, but it's the single mother so you know she's going to be portrayed fantastically Absolutely. Uh, so she's got four kids two girls and then two younger boys and the girls are obviously back in the time when you, you share your bedrooms um, which is no problem with that but the two girls are starting to hear a lot of knocking banging and um you know like how it's always a real slow build up in from the first conjuring like yeah first it's like they hear banging and then nothing and then it's like a day or so later the mother sees a swing going by itself and you're like oh this is no wonder this film is like over two hours long this ghost is taking its time <laughs> and then it gets to the point where the famously how they started even in the real poltergeist uh enfield poltergeist uh it, the mom goes up and she's like, would you two stop fighting? The two of them are in bed. They're like, no, it's not us making all this noise. There's something else here. And then a chest of drawers moves and the mom tries to push it back and it won't move. And so she's like all freaked out. So the two stories are actually simultaneous in, in how they're portrayed for the actual haunting parts. Um, and so the mom goes to the neighbors. Neighbors can't figure it out. So they get um, what any logical person would do. I can't explain it. You ring the cops. And so two police officers come down, a man and woman, and they're like, oh, maybe it's rats. So they're trying to like, they get a, a chair to go look up into the attic. The chair moves itself. And in real life, the police officer, um, the female police officer was explaining how she saw the chair levitate and move. And she did that as a police officer um, on TV. She had recorded that. And you're like, girl, did you get to keep your job or not? Is what I'd love to know in the future, like, honestly what administration um, deaths did they put you on oh jesus yeah she was on traffic for the rest of her career um and then it uh but you kind of get the vibe of in real life they were saying were you making this up as i said to get a bigger house because she had yeah. four kids and the husband was paying no maintenance he like upped and left and so it was tough it had to have been really tough but so there's that kind of a vibe where even when the Warrens make it to the house, eventually uh, you begin to a year think and a half into the movie. Yeah, yeah. They're grown up, they've moved, but the ghost is still there. Um, <laughs> you get the vibe that no one believes them. The Even the Warrens are skeptical about them. But so, and I suppose that they have to be on edge because it goes to another scene where they are, now we're in, back in the US and the Warrens are on a talk show and it's come out since about how no one believes the amateurable story yeah they're saying that it was just it was a cash grab and that the warrens were helping them out you know trying to add beef to their story trying to make it authentic whereas it's just been proven like because people have moved in since then and then they're like there is no haunting there's no there's nothing here uh you know there was a terrible murder but um there wasn't the there's no residual yeah in the walls and um, and then it goes to show back and like I said, there's a lot of flipping between US and UK. Um, Janet had a homemade Ouija board and she's 11. So maybe I suppose like we even kind of messed around with that when we were younger. Like it's why she made one up. There's no explanation given into it. Um, and she uses that. And actually, again, in real life, herself and her sister Margaret had messed around with a homemade Ouija board. Um, but so that's how they're trying to show in the film that that's how the ghost had entered and had entered into Janet. Um, because it's just, she starts to, she's 
meant to be asleep and she's like speaking to her sister in Bill's voice of leave her alone. She wants to let her play with Bill and all that sort of stuff. Sister's like, oh, what's wrong with you? You've hit puberty in the wrong voice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's like, as you can start to see now, Janet in the film herself is starting to get possessed. And at this point, you're just like, when? Because like in the first Conjuring, it was only like, say, 20, 30, 20, maybe 25 minutes, max 30 of all this happening in the house yeah before the warrens got involved but no Mm -hmm. full bloody hour um but there's also one of the younger boys is um he has this little tent inside up on the landing and he's got like a fire truck thing and he had put it into the tent and then he's in bed and the fire truck just slowly comes into the room all like and you're like when you watch it you're just like oh christ something's gonna happen and then he goes to put it back or he notices he puts it back in the tent and it comes out so he's like playing with it because he's only like six or seven um and then you hear not just a noise an honest to god old man going boo and (laughs) yeah and I have to say, I remember being in the cinema because I was like, I can't watch this happening. I don't know what's going to happen. And then like Chris was like, nothing's happening. And it was just this, wasn't even, you couldn't see anyone. It was just the sound of a disembodied boo. And you're just like, really? They actually said boo. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I just, uh, but it was, it was that scene where that went on for, I'd say a good two minutes before you had the boo. And it was just like a real build up to the jump scare. And you're like, oh, fuck you for doing this to me, for God's sake. Um, and I feel like as if that was kind of a slippery slope that um, kind of James Bond fell into. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, okay, so Janet, after having her, you know, mess and being possessed for a bit, it, she's at home watching TV. Um, she's gone off, like she was sick, so she's not in school. And everyone else is gone because obviously the mom has to work. And um, so she, the TV kind of gets a bit funny, gets a bit fuzzy. So she's trying to mess, mess with the signal. And then... Bill you finally see him he's like this is my ass and she's like oh Jesus um so I I felt like as if Bill was trying to do like a Scooby-Doo kind of thing where you haunt them to get out of your house but instead of it being oh it was was old man winters all along I'm like no this is just a dead old man trying to get his house back or something I just I just thought it was very funny I'm like why is he trying to and why like they never spook the adults they always get the kids no one's going to believe the kids um it's because but, uh, the kids so, are more in tune yeah the innocence of it all yeah they um, don't have the cynicism it's like drop dead fred yeah oh, i love drop dead fred um so we're back in the u.s and um ed warren is painting a picture of none other than the nun so um yeah and but then you find out that lorraine didn't tell him she only told him about the part the seance where she saw the murder she didn't say oh and I saw a nun who wants to kill you um and so she gets scared the crap out of me he's like oh my painting's not that bad um but so she's terrified and she's like look I don't want us to do any more cases she's like this and it's like she said that in the first conjuring I'm like Mm -hmm. she's always like ah I'm two days away from retirement but another job brought me back in um but then it's again things are progressing in England Um, Janet has like tied herself to a bed at night so she doesn't sleepwalk and scare the crap out of her sister LA bang wakes her and only her not the sister up and uh, Bill then it's like she's hiding underneath the covers and trying to get away she's getting spooked out and then Bill is there like on top of her screaming Um, and again Mm. no one else sees yeah so it is there's a progression everything's starting to happen Um, the media 
started and again this happened in real life as it had escalated paranormal investigators and the media had started to come in and record events that were happening and they were like oh well we couldn't get it all on camera but there was lego and marbles and everything falling around the room and one cameraman almost got a hit in the face and you're just like okay well we had the chance where we could have had actual recording not just photos so why like nothing moving around the room was getting actually recorded on a camcorder it was just all photos and like there's the famous photo of janet where she was being tossed around and you're like no she's jumping because she's got her bent legs and then it's like a four or five pictures of her like moving and like she's not levitating she's not being thrown she jumped it's so obvious that she jumped but anyway that's just my personal opinion like, um, God damn it, janet. yeah damn it janet <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we have and it's after we have the media and then the, their recordings and it had made national newspapers mm. and television shows and um, because and it, it turns out like in the end of all this, this whole poltergeist thing, the Enfield haunting was the most recorded and publicized haunting in England. Yeah, um, yeah. like this was in 1977 and like they had multiple uh, newspapers and journalists were coming over and there was a female journalist I watched a documentary on it and she said oh when I was there I heard some stuff moving and as well like Janet starts speaking through Bill's voice and I saw this on uh, Channel 4 had done an interview on it and they were taking old archive footage um, and they're saying oh she's like a, a really good ventriloquist she's throwing her voice and I'm like okay she's 11 and she's doing that rough voice from like deep in her throat that after like five minutes you would be like I need water I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm dying and you'd have like a hoarse voice for days but apparently she'd keep this going for like three hours and she said she felt like as if it was Bill was talking over her shoulder not through her mm. um but when so that all sounds spooky but when I actually saw the recording I'm like she just looks like a really bored kid and then she's she's got her mouth open in a smile as she's doing Bill's voice I'm like that's just you putting I still can't think of it as her being possessed it's yeah. just it's like you're just putting on a voice but also she oh, knew yeah. who oh boo and I died of an hemorrhage <laughs> in that chair yeah it's also like so, one of those put on London voices but apparently like um Bill's son had come forward and said Oh yeah, no, my dad did actually die in that house. And so you're like, but they moved in not knowing how, you know, they wouldn't have known that the previous occupant or someone before that had died. And in the film, they're saying that we were so poor that we kept the furniture from the house. So Bill's chair is there. So all his items are there. Okay, so, right. Yeah. So the Warrens get the call from the priest who was in the last film. And he was like, yeah, there's another case in London. And so... Lorraine is like look I don't think this is real but we'll go anyway and if it actually she says to make a pact that if it is actually a real haunting then we leave and I'm like that's messed up I'm like what well, if they really need our help our help and if it really is a haunting we'll just leave well yeah yeah because again she's just like oh this is taking too much out of me and <laughs> yeah and when she's at home as well um she is having kind of like you, you think that this is really happening where she is walking through her house and she sees her daughter who's like pointing and the nun is in the house and you're like oh they haven't been haunted in their own home before and um then oh yeah this is one of the best scenes I thought it was bloody hilarious and um, so the painting of the nun is in their office front center and so the 
the ghost of the nun walks up until she is one with the painting. Mm. And now I remember in the cinema, I was like, ooh, that's creepy. But what stopped it being creepy was <laughs> you see these hands come over the frame of the painting of the nun, right? Yeah. And then she grabs the painting and runs towards Lorraine, like screaming from the boat. And you're like, it's like someone's holding a painting. Someone actually had to hold that painting and run towards. <laughs> and this is meant to be terrifying, but I was like, that's hilarious. I am running with the photo and the, like the picture and the painting is really real. Oh, there's times when we're recording this and I can actually re- imagine the text that Virginia is going to send us, right? <laughs> So <laughs> before she does, I'm just going to <laughs> interject. My, oh, yeah. When I was younger, I did um, many forms of dance. So I Interpretive. Did, yeah, I did modern, I did ballet, and I did Irish. Um, I'm a terrible dancer, couldn't do any of it. Um, but one of the it makes Irish... makes feel any better, I took on country western dancing. If we're going to do like confession corner. Love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but (laughs) I was just terrible and I'm very tall I was a lot bigger than the other girls and I was hard to hide and one of the Irish dancing shows I think the only one I did um we did seven Snow White and Seven Dwarfs and everybody had a part and my part was (laughs) the mirror (laughs) so like that (laughs) I literally just stood on stage holding a big piece of cardboard in front of my face and was I like, am the magic mirror I am the mirror so when you were saying I can just see the hands running towards somebody else yeah like, if oh you God. decided to run towards like um the queen be like yeah. this is your future <laughs> I was just like that that's just me in Snow White and yeah. Seven Dwarfs it was an absolute jumping the shark moment it was too funny it's like when you see in Insidious when you see the yeah, when you see Darth Maul, and it's the same guy. It's Patrick. What's his name? Patrick. I want to say Patrick Wilson is, is the actor, but he was in Insidious, and he's um, Ed Warren in yeah. The Conjuring. But anyway, um, also they always make Ed seem to be such a good guy when he's in the house, and he's like, because in the first Conjuring. Um, they have financial troubles in the first conjuring as well he's helping to fix their car and in the second conjuring he's helping to fix their plumbing and I'm like he's just such a good guy and guy yeah and he sings like to the family does a really bad version like full Elvis style of can't um I can't help falling in love with you and you're just like what like he it's again I'm like this is unnecessary um but anyway they with the whole I'm fixing your plumbing scene is basically so that they can he they end up having to go down to um a basement in the house which you know in England and in Ireland we don't have basements but because That's this is an American enough. made film yeah they they put in a basement just so that Bill can be floating underwater and you think he's going to attack Ed but he ends up attacking Janet's mom like grabs her hand and takes a bite out of it and um mm. Yeah, so, but there was also a scene previous to that when Janet is, they're trying to talk to Bill through Janet and it's in the chair where he died. And this is an actual recording that happened in real life where you have, where they had interviewed Bill and that's how he says how he died. He went blind and he had a hemorrhage. And that is actually how he died, which is interesting to know how they actually know how that happened. But again, yeah, it was how they felt that it was real, but they didn't, 
yeah there were there was also skeptics who would come to the house like many people had come to the house to talk to the Hodgson's to, to try and figure out what was going on but there was a lady called Anita Gregory who was a part of the paranormal research team but she was a heavy skeptic to this and she actually had proof that it was well, a part of it were, that yeah she helped debunk part of it as well as the girls being recorded saying let's blame the ghost on this but in the film it was there was this big huge thing where there was like Janet was disappearing and then she was in another room attacking about to attack a, one of her brothers with a knife and then there was knives all over the place but what had <laughs> happened was in the film was Anita was outside in the garden she'd recorded that it was Janet trashing the place and putting the knives everywhere so she had shown it to the Warrens and she was like look this is I've been trying to tell you guys it's all a hoax it's all made up so the Warrens are like oh maybe she's just got like um, some neurotic disorder and she's got it was explain the multiple personalities and all this sort of stuff they're packing up to leave yeah and um and then they're like they're going to go on a train and leave uh but it turns out we're in the film janet was told by the the ghost make this all up you have to make them leave or else your family's going to all be harmed yeah um so you can see where she's just doing that to try and get the Warrens out. And then it's like, as the Warrens are about to get on a train to bring them to the airport, they're like, let's play all the recordings that we have. And they finally play through in a recording and Bill, the ghost is saying, it won't let me leave. And so through like Quentin Tarantino style flashbacks, you see Valak, the demon nun, is standing behind Bill um, and is making Bill haunt the place. Oh. So that the Warrens would come from America over to mm. England. Yeah. Um, so that sh- Valak can kill Ed. It's so convoluted. It's, it's, I know what you're like, it's so convoluted. I'm like, oh my God, it's full circle. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're kind of like, oh, right, okay. So then they're like, they leave the train and the, the neighbor of the Hodgson's uh, is driving them back in and they're having like this big hole. And then this happened. And then that, and that's why it makes so much sense that they want us back. And once we learn the name, they don't know the name of the demon, but they're like, once we can figure out the name of the demon, then we can gain like dominion over. It. And you're like, I'm sure the guy driving is like, the fuck is going on here? Like I'm just <laughs> doing his favor, picking his up, like, but you're mental. Get out of my cab. Yeah. So then anyway, Ed gets in first and then he gets like steamed in the eyes from a pipe. So that's his plumbing gone to shit. And um, he's like, I can't see. I can't see. And then the neighbor and um, Lorraine are trying to get in from the basement. And eventually it's only Lorraine gets in. But you see, Janet, it's like the the whole house has gone nuts with um, all the demonic activity. Um, And janet is about to jump out the window i think she might think if i just kill myself it will end it will all end and then but ed had managed to get in and grab her so she can't fall out through the bedroom window um and then he's dangling like it ends up where the the nun is like about to because one of the trees got hit by lightning randomly and and so it's this big spike and it's kind of how lorraine foresaw that he was going to die was he was going to get impaled so you can just see how they're leading up to this um and then it's Lorraine versus the nun and she's like I know what your name is and you have another flashback to the house where when she was having that scene before the nun ran towards her in the painting that she was when she came out of it she had been like etching something into her bible and then so she had the bible in the boot of the car and she's like I have the name of it your name is Valak and now I control you and so 
boom, the demon goes. She manages to grab Ed before he falls out the window and they're all safe and lovely. And then it just goes to a blurb about how it was... All safe and lovely. Yeah, it's grand. Um, about how the haunting was the most documented or the poltergeist activity was most documented in British history. Uh, but like in all truth, the Warrens came uninvited to the house and stayed for a day. And uh, it was mainly these two paranormal investigators, Morris Gross and, oh, it was a writer named Guy, I think it's Guy Playfair. Um, and so they were the two main who had stayed and multiple times had come over to the house to record everything. And the guy who was the writer had said in an interview that Ed Warren had said, you know, the, from the one day that they were there, yeah. play it right. And you can make a lot of money out of this. Now, you don't know whether that's just them saying that um, or if, you know, because they might have had the influence that they had on the Lutz family after this stuff at the Amityville house. Like, were they really just saying you might have something here with the story yes. if you play with it? So it's it's just, again, as I was saying, like the film, it does follow through with the story of the Hodgson's it, their story it follows through with that but obviously then they decided to add in their own demon to oh this was who was controlling bill all along and this is the reason why the haunting really happened to get the warrens over to the uk yeah even though just haunt them in america if you really want them but i don't know but to me i just felt like if they added the nun in so that the nun could get a spin-off film there's a guy also haunting it's from a toy that ends up haunting one of the younger brothers and it's like the crooked man and then I've heard stories that the crooked man is going to get his own film it's like everything it worked well with Annabelle so everything like next you know it'll be the music box from the first film yes. will get its own story yeah I, I'm just saying that like everything it's like um you know we have Power Rangers and they have all these new monsters in Power Rangers so that they can make a toy out of it yeah that's what I feel like they're just trying to make toys or spin off films to beat the band, uh, which I just think at this stage now it's I like I have no interest really watching the third conjuring. I might watch it eventually, but and uh, you're not going to be going like with oh, the anticipation yeah. you would have had before. Yeah. Absolutely. At this stage now, I don't care. Um, Janet, actually, when the film when she found out the film was going to be made, she was not happy like she doesn't do interviews about mm. it as an adult. And when the Channel 4 had her for an interview, it she was like whispering about it when they first came into the house because she's like, oh, my kids are still here and they don't really know anything about it. So she's not like as if she's telling everyone about her life. It's not and, something that she has kind of based a an income on. Yeah, she hasn't like, say, released biographies. She hasn't done anything. She's still... Uh, in the actual documentary like she still believes that this happened to her the mother yeah. lived in the house until she died um, the people who believe that it's real are fully cemented in believing that it really happened and parts of it happened she says that only two percent of it was made up and again that that was just because they were only like herself and her sister were like 11 and 13 so that they felt like it should have been you know like oh maybe it needs to be a bit more haunted for them to to take us seriously yeah so but like yeah she was not happy when the film came out and she didn't want she did as far as I know she didn't see it 
she just wants to have a normal life as much like there was even actually in real life social services did get involved and she janet went to um kind of a psychiatric hospital for about two months where they just did a whole load of series of tests on her and they're like well neurologically you're fine there's nothing where you might be hallucinating yeah and then she was seen by specialists who said no she's a normal girl like there's nothing and at the same time everything went quiet in the house and then when she yeah and then when she came back stuff started happening again and so you're kind of like well is it janet doing it or if this was true you could argue that the they were haunted it was haunting janet janet Janet. yeah so it's yeah it's very interesting to watch but i don't yeah no i just think that the minute you also found out that it got that them recording saying about how let's make this or let's blame this on the ghost you're like what else were they you know yeah so I just, it's interesting but it was that's why I kind of wanted to catch a film where it's not like you had your honest to god uh terrible tragic stories of murders whereas this was like no one died uh yeah so that was the conjuring too nice yeah I think I'm gonna watch it <laughs> It, no, it's all right for a watch. And I know if you're interested in jump scares, there are plenty to go on. Um, Good. But text me when you see the scene of her running, holding onto the painting. It's hilarious. Okay, I um, definitely will. I can see as people like us who've watched like plenty of horror movies see that as being hilarious, whereas someone who might be new to it would be like, oh my God, this is terrifying. terrifying. Yeah, no, I got that. I'll make my mom watch it. <laughs> <laughs> And um, of hilarious films. I was just about to say, so we're, what are we, number it's three? Or, yeah. or is this our fourth? No, third. Um, yeah. Okay, take it away, Emer. We had Peter Jackson's Love Child of, it was an absolute labour of love and it is bad taste. Um, I can't remember, was it made in 86, possibly? Um, but this took four years to record um, because he financed it himself to begin with, made in his native New Zealand. And it's a story about, if you can wrap your head around it, because you don't even understand what it's about until a good hour into it. It's aliens have decided to choose Earth as a place for, to turn it into a fast food place for them, where they eat the humans, then they take their bodies, pretend to be the humans so that they can, I can only imagine, kill more humans to eat them. And, um, there's then this operative group called the boys and uh, I love at the very beginning when he's like I need no we we can't trust this to the police we need the big ones and it goes the queen mum oh. boys I was like brilliant so it yeah so you have these group of guys who you don't even know that they're all a part of this group the boys because two guys are driving in and I thought that that was just the boys and that the rest were just locals but they are all like, oh, no, there's aliens everywhere. The, and I'm like, how do you know? It's like it started in the middle of a movie. Yeah, yeah. As you said, you weren't sure you were watching the right version of it. I like, again found this on YouTube. So exactly the same as Last yeah. House on the Left. And Jenny Wani was kind of waiting to talk to you and go, oh, yeah, no, I did watch something totally wrong. Yeah, and I also... Peter Jackson, I recognize when Peter Jackson plays an alien character called Robert and but he's also playing a guy called Derek who has the best line of the whole film going, I'm a Derek and Derek's don't run when he's been told to skedaddle that all the aliens are coming up to the um, the part of the coast where he is. <laughs> Derek's don't run. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. But like he was 
like that he did a Ted Bundy he split his hair in a different way and he looked yeah. more like all together and I thought oh this must be his brother and I had to look it up on IMDb and I'm like oh no Jesus it's just him but because it was filmed over four years like the guys were doing it kind of on and off they were all like his friends um they wrote the song that played through the credits one guy had to constantly uh keep a beard so it could get shaved into like the handlebar mustache kind of style thing that he had I thought it was really weird the way that the voice was sounding and apparently they had to do it all in post-production because the camera that Peter Jackson was using first didn't have the capability of taking on sound so that's why I thought I thought it was dubbed um yeah it it seems so strange but anyway then it gets to a stage and the last 30 minutes where all the action happens the boys have arrived um the aliens are they're trying to get into that this one house where all the aliens are because they were like we're just going to stay here for one more day and then we're going to go off to our planet and bring everyone over and then everyone's going to feast on the humans and um it's just so bizarre and then the aliens they they can't be in the human form anymore they rip through it and then their alien form did you see their jeans where they just had two circular butt cheeks it's like a weird thong it was like watching an episode like a feature length goosebumps Mm, but like yeah adults that was also like what i imagine doctor who to be speaking of doctor who they took an influence of that where Derek's scarf is the same style of a scarf that one of the doctor who that's probably why i thought of it um but as the way you're saying there 30 like 30 minutes from the end is where all the action starts right I have um I said this earlier before we started recording massive bone to pick with Emer about this because she texted me and she was like oh my god this is bananas and I was like oh I can't wait to watch it and she was like oh it pretty much everything happens in the last 30 minutes so I went in blind and was like nothing's gonna happen in the first hour and there is quite a lot of brains and and like guts and I like the way we were talking about last week when I was like oh one of the shorts was really gruesome and you were like well if you couldn't stomach it there like there's a I don't know if I'm going to be able to the amount of times and you said this as well with the sound the sound yeah the sound effects that I actually nearly wanted to vomit Mm -hmm. the part when Derek falls parts of his brain falls out and he keeps having to pick his brains and put it back into the slap on the back of his head I'm like I at one stage was like is that a tongue what what is this (laughs) and then they make this weird soup blue kind of yeah, like a greeny blue thing that they're all meant to drink from, which apparently was just milk, muesli and green food colorant. It was. I wanted to vomit oh, in that part when they're when all they drinking. Were, oh, when they're. Oh, it's vile. It's. Yeah. It's um, like, look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad the poster made us watch I it. I love that poster. People just just Google the poster. For I would bad never. Day have watched it oh no sorry I'm talking about the the scratchy poster I'm glad that the the scratchy poster is making us do like branch out to things um because I would never have watched it um I would never watch it again (laughs) yeah but apparently it's got I'm not surprised you were saying that it has a huge cult following and I totally see that um just not for me no, I have to say it wasn't for me either, but it does make me want to watch. I've been meaning to watch, and I wonder if it's going to be on the list, Brain Dead, which is a zombie 
um, comedy horror from Peter Jackson as well. And that's what I mean. Like he did Bad Taste, Brain Dead. I have no idea about the in-between times and like dot, 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 Lord of the Rings. And it's like, if you watch the Lord of the Rings, you're like, do you want to know where he started? Yeah, um, like genuinely, I was watching it going, how? Yeah. <laughs> what is the and it's so evolution funny, like, from here? I watched the credits of it uh, just to see like how many people were in it because there's no women in this film at all but apparently some women were dressed up as the aliens at the end like they get credited Mm. as aliens in it but it's funny when he's talking like about producers obviously people who helped with the money he names his parents he's like mom and dad oh that's Uh, yeah he gives their full names but then in brackets he's like mom and dad thanks because obviously like like i said in the last year of the four years the new zealand uh, film institute gave him money to help like bring it together and finish it up they'd seen enough of it already and they're like we really want to help you finance to the end of it but like someone apparently who was one of the actors in it had in the four years had married a woman who was very christian very religious and she was like i don't want you in this film Mm. and then they divorced and then he got to be back in it so his character is like in it a bit at the start i think it's the guy who they're trying to eat he's in the food thing in the barrel yeah so he's like in it a bit like he I think he was meant to have a bigger role but it's like only towards the end of the film where he's more in it because they had divorced and he's like right I can go back to the film then um because the wife just didn't want him in the film a lot like I can't imagine a film taking four years to make and neither can I yeah um and they were like also making up a lot of the script and the scenes like a week before they recorded it if you couldn't tell but um yeah would you uh, recommend it I think I would recommend it to people who love films that are out there and that are like especially if you like a b-movie horror yeah yeah to the right person absolutely and I could think up of a few people who I think if they watched it in a group like if I watched that in a group of friends and there was that would be brilliant but because of thanks to covid and we're watching this alone separately can only text each other they're going this is fucking nuts <laughs> it's i think it's a group setting it's what you know is yeah. going on if if we weren't doing it for this i would have turned it off is yeah. what i, I would have turned it off through boredom yeah yeah and, and confusion yeah. yeah i had no idea what was going on um i still don't really know what was going on and yeah. um they're very yeah. bad at explaining it in the film yeah but as you said if you're really into those b movies 100% go for it yeah but just also kind of going with the mentality of it's like it's like they know what they're doing but they're not telling you no and they're not making you're not in on the joke yeah no yeah but it is it's just it's yeah I I mean like you'll know yourself if that's what you kind of like yeah I wouldn't watch it again but I wished I could have watched it in a group setting yeah yeah actually it would be very funny in a group setting um yeah I watched it on YouTube um so was able to stream it free um but um just hilarious what are we what's our um our next one um if you wanted to watch it before yeah Uh, oh yeah so it's Day of the Triffids yeah and so I only know that this was a book it's a sci-fi book and um a tv show or or made for tv movie was made in the 60s or 70s and it's an english uh film i think it's an english book um i think it's about killer plants or plants doing something i'll know more about it next week but yeah day of the triffids yeah i'm excited 
Absolutely. And because it's coming up to that special romantic time of the year, um, our episode next week, we're going to be looking into romantic horror films, which yeah. I have my two picked already. And my husband is like, you are. Yeah, he's like, you Crazy. are demented. They are not romantic. One is kind of you can get where the romance come from. The other one, I'm like, I've concocted it up in my brain. And I will. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, I am finding it more difficult because I just keep thinking of films that will go with the week after theme. Yeah. Unrequited love slash revenge. Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. So I can tell you a thousand movies for that. (laughs) Yeah. When you didn't get that bouquet of flowers or those chocolates and you just want to murder murder yeah so yeah join us for that next week make sure to be following us on instagram because you're home mm-hmm. then underscore in between each word and feel free to listen to us on any podcast platform that you do and if you listen to us on apple also rate and review please and anyone else as i said before tell a friend do yeah do so just before we finish up we have something very cool to tell you about Aaron from First Class Horror is going to be doing a watch party this week to watch Valentine, the 2001 slasher Valentine's themed horror movie. Go to his page on Instagram First Class Horror and you'll find out all of the details. We can't wait for it. We're definitely tuning in. Also, Aaron's actually going to be on our podcast in a two weeks time. So we can't wait to have him on. Make sure to go onto his page, give him a follow and definitely tune into the watch party. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks so much. Bye. Or whatever. Apart yes. <laughs> from Bill. Whoa. Sorry. That's my cat just throwing my makeup around. <laughs> it's Bill. Uh, Bill's hair. <laughs> M-O-S. Oh, boo. <laughs>